the Land of the Giants, 50th Anniversary Soundtrack Collection. Holy shit. <laughs> first off, actually, first off, having a little trouble with uh, having a little trouble with the mixer in the studio here again. I, I don't know, maybe it's uh, seen its day. It sure as hell got its use. <laughs> I mean, how many hours of audio do I record every week? Uh, or every month, I guess, maybe is a better way to track it. Holy shit. Uh, but I'll get that into shape in, uh, in no time. So, But if the audio sounds a little odd... Uh, that's what's going on. So anyway, yeah, you know, Land of the Giants, 50 years ago. That's insane. Irwin Allen, you know, what a god. I mean, <laughs> nobody did shows like Irwin Allen, or, or movies for that matter. Poseidon Adventure. I mean, of course, Lost in Space. Everybody remembers Lost in Space. Time Tunnel. I mean, so many great classic shows uh, that were just so, so, so much fun. Especially, I mean, certainly like with a lot of these shows, they're pilots, you know, their openers or their first seasons would be a lot more serious than what they would become later on. But Irwin Allen was such a fucking genius. I mean, it's it's really it's really amazing when you think about that guy. Uh, you know, of course, and of course, obviously, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, which was pretty much Star Trek before Star Trek, right? Like, I mean, that was, it was just, Gene Roddenberry just took Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and, and you know, and put it in space. Like that, I mean, let's be honest about that. As much as I love Star Trek, and I think Star Trek became so much more than that, at first, that's really what it was. And, you know, Roddenberry was totally copying, you know, Erwin, Erwin Allen with that. But anyway, I'm not here to talk about that. I just couldn't believe that there is a 50th anniversary soundtrack collection <laughs> for Land of the Giants, which I have. But, woo. Anyway, something I do want to talk about, uh, opening it up, we got a couple of great questions to get into. Actually, kind of a couple of stories are, are what, compri- what are comprising the, uh, the questions. Um, so I have recently been looking into, and because some people have suggested it, and I've actually had team members kind of, kind of thinking about it. There, there's a few things. So as I stated uh, a few weeks ago, it has long been in the works. It's long been planned, really for Sovereign Tech to try and get onto a really major network. Um, There was a time where I was trying to get it on Twit. Twit has really pivoted to where, you know, like new shows and things like that, I don't really would be a thing. But after I more or less realized it wasn't going to get on Twit, well, then, and, you know, it's been a while, uh, the... The plan was, all right, let's get on SiriusXM. That's like the only, really, it's the only major network that could handle me, right? Uh, And so that's something that we're working on. And I've reached out to some advisors on things. uh, And, well, anyway, there's some stuff that I might be trying in the very near future here to to shake things up a bit. Uh, In fact, also, um, I may be, I don't think I'd ever, I'm not going to stop using Patreon. Um, but I, there is some recommendation and it partly has to do with the bullshit that's been going on lately, but it actually has to do with other things with discoverability on other platforms, um, that I might, there might be some degree of a shift where, where there are alternatives and it's not, it's, they're major alternatives. It's not like Bitbox or I don't know, whatever the fuck. Not not Bitbox, whatever the hell the, the these you know some of these other ones are like these are full featured uh, flagship alternatives. Okay, that that could allow for what you are used to as a patron, the content that you're used to getting, the subscription model, and all of that that you're going through, um, and to where it doesn't have the ugly history or not ugly because oh, at some point I might talk about what the hell happened. Okay, with 
you know, with, with Patreon where they banned a, a certain person and then suddenly that just like, you know, Sam Harris leaves and a whole bunch of other people end up leaving it and so on. At some point I might talk about that, but I, I really don't, I don't need, you know, most of these people, I don't want to give them the, the, the time of day. Um, I cared very much about when, you know, adult, uh, and, and, Look, you know, as far as me getting off of Patreon, you know, I took that seriously when they started banning, like, you know, adult, uh, uh, shall we say, entertainers or adult content creators. Um, that worried me, okay, because, you know, they're not espousing violence at all. They're espousing the exact opposite. They're espousing sex and love, okay? I mean, we're not even, in, you know, with that, we're not even talking about freedom of speech necessarily. We're talking about freedom of fucking, like, body language, of not even talking and getting banned. I mean, you know, it's it's that that's far worse and and I really hate it that that so many people didn't, you know, it didn't that didn't cause them to run away from Patreon. It took because somebody said a certain something and you know, and they're mad about that. Whatever. Okay. So anyway, I'm not worried you know, I've lost patrons over this matter, I know, and I get why they did it and hey, fine. Um however, it's not the kind of numbers that would, that forces me or makes me say, oh shit, I need to get off of Patreon or something like that. Like it, it's not at that level. I wasn't affected that hard. Granted, you know, I don't have as many patrons as perhaps some other people do, but I get it. And honestly, you know, I'm going to call it to you. I think down the line, you know, like a year from now, th this stuff people forget or they stop caring or whatever. And they are, you know, people will come back. To Patreon is my point. And they will just like a lot of people try to leave Facebook. Yeah. I give them a little while. They end up coming back. You know, they, they really do, uh, myself. I mean, I haven't posted on Facebook in well over a year. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> okay. But, but most people, you know, they, yeah, they get in a tizzy about things and then they, you know, really, they end up coming back. And I'm not saying that they're wrong for getting in a tizzy at all. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, they, they do end up coming back. Um, but you know, as far as a, a plan B, I have a couple options that I'm looking at. Again, one of them is a, is a pretty major player, uh, that has not, has yet to engage in any of the actions that Patreon is. Uh, but look, let me tell you something, you know, I know some people were talking about that they were going to come out with alternative, uh, content platforms like Patreon. If you think that at some point they're not going to feel the squeeze in some way, I don't think anybody, you know, any third party is, has the potential of just getting, you know, that has control over your content distribution has the potential to shut you down. Like everybody's got a price may not be money, but everybody's got a price where they're going to shut down that really the only foolproof way, uh, is that you do it completely independently. Now that's one option that I have on the table that I, that I am considering. Okay. Uh, but I'm looking at some others, but the main reason for that, that I'm looking at some others and that I have been for a little while and I've had some advisors telling me, you know, Hey, you know, maybe you want to try this. If you know, again, if you want to be making it again, it's about discoverability. It's not because like I'm offended or something. It's really about discoverability. Um, this is just something where, you know, where there's smoke, there's salmon and, I need to, uh, you know, you know, maybe I need to go after some of that salmon is, is the bottom line. So I'll keep you posted on what all that looks like, but I mean, really there's no reason, even if I do go to another, you know, to some of these other platforms, I could still, you know, keep Patreon up and running. Like, I mean, I don't have to, I don't have to shut that down. 
And I don't, at least not right now, I'm not as big an operation where that would become a concern anyway. I mean, I already got flagged by them where, you know, that I am like adult content and they had to like take me off of their search and everything. That already happened. That happened to be months ago. All right. It's not like it's anything new. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I've gotten my warnings from them. But anyway, these are things getting looked at. We're going to see what happens maybe over the next month or so, because, again, goal for 2019 a is, is to have a lot of projects finally get released and be done. And I mean, that's all kinds of projects. And B, get onto, you know, get onto a major network and most likely Sirius XM. And that's really what I'm shooting for right now, uh, as, as I do have some contacts there. And, you know, it's, it's something that's being looked at. But I mean, you know, I'll be honest, like, you know, I get approximately, uh, you know, anywhere between like 12, 15,000 listeners on average per week with each episode, you know, most podcasters would, would do just about anything for that kind of numbers, you know, and I could really, I could rest on my laurels and I, and you know, and I still get sponsors and this and that, like, I I mean, I could just kick back and just have funning, have fun, have funning, have fun doing this, whatever the rest of my life, which is how long I plan on putting out, you know, creative content of a type, uh, because like, you don't understand, I have like this, this burning need to be creative and to create, you know, put out, put out, create content of of some kind, you know, be it a book, be it podcast, whatever. I just, I have this really burning desire. Like it's something I just have to do or I feel, well, that's a long story, but beyond that burning need for creativity, I also have that burning need to continually improve myself and to keep getting better and, you know, have things grow bigger, et cetera. I mean, like, it's just, I just feel it. You know, I, I'm not just going to lay back and just do this show the same way every single week. That's never been my MO with, with sovereign tech. And so I'm always looking for new paths to growth, to making something more exciting, uh, taking things to the next level, whatever that ends up looking like. I want things to be so much bigger, you know, and, you know, and, and of course, obviously make a lot more money doing this specifically would be, you know, that'd be awesome. Um, so those are, you know, I have those goals. I always have those goals. And even if I get on serious, you know, if I get on serious XM dynamite, is there anything bigger? Yeah, maybe not exactly, but you know, I can keep improving the show, keep on making it hotter, more exciting and more informative and so on. And eventually that can get to the point where that can trickle down, right? Where maybe someday things are going so well with Sirius, you know, that, that, well, anyway, who knows what happens underneath because of that? Cause that would afford me the ability to do a lot of really free content, but very high end free content. Uh, you know, a lot of the pa- more, I mean, this is a passion, you know, this is my life. Okay. Software tech is absolutely my first and foremost, most important thing in my, you know, as far as what I do, most important thing in my life. So it itself is a passion project, but there's a lot of things kind of like user podcast, stuff like that, that I want to do that no one would ever fund directly, but that if, you know, sovereign tech getting huge can fund to do all of these other projects. Great. You know, I mean, then, then that I would love for that to happen. I ironically, like I want this show to get bigger so that I can also work on the other little projects that can really, well, it all becomes its own little universe, right? Or maybe not so little, but all right, that's besides the point. So (laughs) I talk 10 minutes about this stuff, uh, you know, just so you know what's going on. I like to give you a little shop talk every week on the Wednesday Q and a, uh, but let's, why don't we get into our, our questions and stories? Uh, I mean, they're, they're kind of stories, but, uh, I had someone ask, they, two links got sent to me. 
and from two different people. But uh, the one person, she's a great patron. She said she's like she'd love for me to hear hear me talk about this on a Prime episode or Q and A. And so I'm going to talk about it in the Q and A because we've got a lot of things to talk about on up on the next two upcoming Prime episodes that I don't think I'd be able to fit this in. So here's a great place really to uh, you know to end up fitting it in. And it's from the story is from the New York Times. Link is in the show notes for it if you want to read it. But we'll read it here. Wielding rocks and knives, Arizonans attack self-driving cars. And this is a story, this is from December 31st, 2018, very fresh, uh, from Chandler, Arizona. The assailant slipped out of a park around noon one day in October, zeroing in on his target, which was idling at a nearby intersection, a self-driving van operated by Waymo, the driverless car company spun out of Google. He carried out his attack with an unidentified sharp object, swiftly slashing one of the tires. The suspect, identified as a white man in his 20s, then melted into the neighborhood on foot. The slashing was one of nearly two dozen attacks on driverless vehicles over the past two years in Chandler, a city near Phoenix where Waymo started testing its vans in 2017. In ways large and small, the city has had an early look at public misgivings over the rise of artificial intelligence, with city officials hearing complaints about everything from safety to possible job losses. Some people have pelted Waymo vans with rocks, according to police reports. Others have repeatedly tried to run the vehicles off the road. One woman screamed at one of the vans, telling it to get out of her suburban neighborhood. A man pulled up alongside a Waymo vehicle and threatened the employee riding inside with a piece of PVC pipe. In one of the more harrowing episodes, a man waved a 22 caliber revolver at a Waymo vehicle and the emergency backup driver at the wheel. He told the police that he, quote-unquote, despises driverless cars, referring to the killing of a female pedestrian in March in nearby Tempe by a self-driving Uber car. Quote, there are other places they can test, end quote, said Eric Opalka, 37, who was issued a warning by the police in November after multiple reports that his Jeep Wrangler had tried to run Waymo vans off the road, in one case driving head-on toward one of the self-driving vehicles until it was forced to come to an abrupt stop. Uh, to an abrupt stop. His wife, Elizabeth, 35, admitted in an interview that her husband, quote, finds it entertaining to break hard, end quote, in one of these in front of the self-driving vans, and that she herself, quote, may have forced them to pull over, end quote, so she could yell at them to get out of their neighborhood. The trouble started, the couple said, when their 10-year-old son was nearly hit by one of the vehicles while he was playing in a nearby cul-de-sac. Quote, they said they need real-world examples, but I don't want to be their real-world mistake, end quote, said Mr. Opoka, who runs his own company providing information technology to small businesses. Quote, they didn't ask us if we wanted to be part of their beta test, end quote, added his wife, who helps run the business. At least 21 such attacks have been leveled at Waymo vans in Chandler, as first reported by the Arizona Republic. So before I go on with some of this, there's a couple points I want to bring up here with this story. One is, like in the in the case of Mr. Opoka, I'm guessing that's how you pronounce his name. Um, in his case, you really don't have a situation where, you know, it, it's like, it doesn't sound like, if this is a guy who's, you know, doing IT and, you know, whatever else for small businesses or information technology for small businesses, this probably isn't just some Arizona hick. And I don't don't necessarily mean that with disrespect, but you get my point. Okay. You know, this is somebody who knows a thing or two about how tech works and understands exactly what's going on. 
You know, this isn't people saying, oh, get that driverless car out of here. You know, you know, like that kind of bullshit, right? <laughs> like this is, these are people that, that are, well, I mean, like they said, they, they thought their son was going to end up getting hit by one. And so they started flipping out about it and started taking action uh, against it. Now there's a broader point. I think there's, there's something deeper going on here that I'm going to discuss as we get more towards the end. But the other point that I want to bring up is the New York times. And this is something I warned about on Sovereign Tech a long time ago. And that is when Alphabet, and I guess what, when, when did that happen? 2015, 2016, around there? Or maybe it was even 2017. No, it, it was before then. Anyway, when Alphabet became a thing, when Google, when Larry Page said, okay, I'm going to make my own little Silicon Valley, I'm going to have this umbrella company, this parent company that is going to have, you know, and we're going to call it Alphabet, and it'll have like a company for every letter of the alphabet, or eventually it would. And so you have, you know, YouTube is its own company. Google is now its own company. Uh, what, what was um, what was the one that begins with the C that's the life extension technology? I don't recall it off the top of my head. But now Waymo is its own company. Um, like the one Niantic now, that literally spun out to be like literally its own company. Okay, but Waymo is still owned by Alphabet. Now here's the problem is that New York Times reports it as something that spun out of Google almost almost suggesting that, well, it's not really Google anymore. And this was my concern is that if we don't, you know, you can say that it's Waymo, but we should constantly remember that all of this is interconnected under alphabet with Google and with Google's technology. These are obviously using, you know, Google maps and and so on. You know, the, the danger is when people start thinking that these are independent companies and they stop giving Google shit over it. And they, you know, like if, if one of the companies under alphabet does something wrong and you want to boycott them, you boycott everything under alphabet. You understand like that? That's what I'm saying. And that's my concern is that people would. And I said that this would happen is that Google knows just how much of a monstrosity it has created, okay, and how pervasive and persistent its reach is in the world through all of the different technologies that it's, that it's made. And so I said that I think that's one of the main thrusts of why Larry Page, aside from him wanting to create his own little Silicon Valley and Mountain View, one of the main thrusts of why he created Alphabet was so that when people would report on stories just like this one about Waymo, that there would not be, it would not be reported as attached to the rest of of his little, not so little tech empire, that being Google slash alphabet, or as I've called it over the years, AlphaGoog. We don't, you, you do not want to ignore that these companies are completely interconnected. They're not even kissing cousins. They're still just one body. It's still just Google. Okay. But it just has other names now. And that bothered me when I read this from the New York Times, who's supposed to be one of the best journalistic institutions in the world. Well, I guess not. Uh, I mean, they should totally have referenced it as something they should have mentioned alphabet. They should have. I mean, there's a lot to this that they should have mentioned and they didn't. And that's a problem. Okay, never forget that these companies, it should, you know, when when journalists type this stuff out, it should be typed as Waymo slash Google. That's, that is the honest thing to do because they are completely interconnected and to ignore one, to report about the problems of one and ignore the other is a failure, uh, to warn people properly about what's going on. So I have a huge problem with that. I just want to bring that up. And as, as we go through the story, you're going to see there's no mention of alphabet or Google anymore than where it just said at the beginning that it spun out of 
Again, that's almost suggesting that that like okay, it's not really run by Google anymore or something. No, it absolutely is. You know, Larry Page is still in charge. Let's not forget that. Anyway, we'll read on with the story. So continuing, uh, let's see, where were we? At least 21 such attacks have been leveled at Waymo vans and Chandler, as first reported by the Arizona Republic. Some al- analysts or analysts, <laughs> some analysts. <laughs> Some analysts say they expect much more behavior as the nation moves into a broader discussion about the potential for driverless cars to unleash colossal changes in American society. The debate touches on fears ranging from eliminating jobs for drivers to ceding control over mobility to autonomous vehicles. Quote, people are lashing out justifiably, end quote, said Douglas Rushkoff, a media theorist at City University of New York and author of the book Throwing Rocks at the Google Bus. He likened driverless cars to the robotic incarnations of scabs, workers who refuse to join strikes or who take the place of those on strike. Quote, there's a growing sense that the giant corporations honing driverless technologies do not have our best interests at heart, end quote, Mr. Rushkoff said. Quote, just think about the humans inside these vehicles who are essentially training the artificial intelligence that will replace them. End quote. The emergency drivers in the Waymo vans that were attacked in various cases told the Chandler police that the company preferred not to pursue prosecution of the assailants. So I want to stop there for a second. Um, yeah, so let's be clear here. There are people in these cars. They're not just, I mean, or as far as I know, maybe there's cases where there isn't somebody in them, but I think that's technically illegal right now. I'm, I'm not, I couldn't, I looked into getting answers about that and I couldn't really find anything conclusive. But what I did find out is that one, yes, all of these cars have an emergency driver in them that can switch the car to manual whenever needed. Okay. But they are heavily, or, you know, it is suggested to them do not do that. And it's heavily suggested. No, like even if people are fucking with you, let the car try and figure it out. The the car needs to learn. Okay. Calling it artificial intelligence is a bit of a misnomer. Of course, we're not talking about Skynet here at all. We're talking about very basic, I mean, machine learning. I don't know if that'd be the term to use either, but artificial intelligence is just too much of a, I don't know. It's too broad a term to be, to be tossing around in my opinion, or to even bother using. There really should be like another, another term for being used, especially even for driverless cars. Uh, you know, maybe like driverless automation or something, but sure as fuck don't use the term AI. But a bit of a problem here is that, yeah, I mean, you know, when the Opokas or whoever are yelling at these cars or or fucking with them, uh, there's a human being involved on the other side of that interaction, (laughs) to put it kindly. okay. and well, I mean, there's a there's a problem to be had with that. Sure. And Rushkoff's point, of course, you know, he's very pro union, so his his comments are not you know, unexpected or whatever. Um, again, we've talked about Douglas Rushkoff recently, you know, it's not somebody I agree with hundred percent all the time. Um, but also the other thing I learned about this is that it's, it's rain. The range of the driverless vans of the Waymo vehicles is expanding slowly, but mainly it centers around the Waymo base office, whatever, uh, in Chandler. Okay. So it's not like these are going all over the city. I don't know where exactly the Waymo office is or how hot a section of Chandler, Arizona that happens to be, but you know, there's, it's not like they're taking over the town as it were, at least not yet. So anyway, uh, you know, those are a couple points that I want to bring some clarity on 
Uh, and I think it's important to recognize that these aren't just literally driverless vans. There is a driver there. Uh, but let's, let's read on more. The emergency drivers in the Waymo vans were attacked in various... Oh, yeah, it says they wouldn't prosecute them. Reading on. In some of their reports, police officers also said Waymo was often unwilling to provide video of the attacks. In one case, a Waymo employee told the police they would need a warrant to obtain video recorded by the company's vehicles. Officer William Johnson of the Chandler Police Department described in a June report how the driver of a Chrysler PT Cruiser wove between lanes of traffic while taunting a Waymo van. A manager at Waymo showed video images of the incident to Officer Johnson, but did not allow the police to keep them for a more thorough investigation. According to Officer Johnson's report, the manager said that the company did not want to pursue the matter, emphasizing that Waymo was worried about disruption of its testing in Chandler. The report said Waymo was concerned about the effect the attacks were having on its emergency drivers who are intended to remain in monitoring mode, meaning leave the car driving itself. Quote, the behavior is causing the drivers to resume manual mode over the automated mode because of concerns about what the driver of the other vehicle may do. End quote. Officer Johnson wrote. Uh, in a statement, a Waymo spokeswoman said the attacks involved only a small fraction of the more than 25,000 miles that the company's vans log every day in Arizona. Quote, safety is the core of everything we do, which means that keeping our drivers, our riders, and the public safe is our top priority, end quote, said Alexi uh, Georgeson, the Waymo spokeswoman. Quote, over the past two years, we found Arizonans to be welcoming and excited by the potential of this technology to make our roads safer, end quote. Miss... Um, Let's see. Ms. Georgeson said the company took the safety of its emergency drivers seriously and disputed claims that Waymo was trying to avoid bad publicity by opting against pursuing criminal charges. Quote, we report incidents we deem to pose a danger and we have provided photos and videos to local law enforcement when reporting these acts of vandalism or assault. End quote. Ms. Georgeson said, quote, we support our drivers and engage in cases where an act of vandalism has been perpetrated against us. End quote. So for... Okay, let me read the next paragraph. There's a little more yet, but anyway, the authorities in Chandler and elsewhere in Arizona remain gladly open to Waymo and other driverless car companies. Uh, Rob Antoniak, the chief operating officer of Valley Metro, which helps oversee the uh, the Phoenix metropolitan area's transit system, said on Twitter that Arizona was still welcoming autonomous cars with, quote, open arms, end quote, despite the attacks on Waymo vans. Quote, don't let individual criminals throwing rocks or slashing tires derail efforts to drive the future of transportation, end quote, Mr. Antoniak said. But the official welcome mat has failed to persuade the naysayers. So I want to stop for a second here. Why aren't they reporting this? Why aren't they letting uh, law enforcement have video, have photos, things like this? It is all about publicity. Um, and also, I mean, here's the thing. Like, if you keep that video, once it gets into the hand of law enforcement, it has the potential of becoming more public knowledge. And I think Waymo slash Google is terrified of like compilation videos that could get that could get put out there. Ironically, of all things, those would probably be posted on YouTube. Right. But compilation videos and analysis that could be made by not just, you know, your everyday individual, not just by, you know, your your citizen journalist, quote unquote, uh, or whatever, who would say, hey, folks, look, this is really, really terrifying technology here. Look what it's doing. Look at the problems that it's causing, blah, blah, blah. Or look at what's happening out there. Not just to, to keep that from happening, but also uh, probably to keep competing companies from really get you know being able to analyze a lot of this situation i mean i think there's there's a part of that too so there's a lot going on there's never only one reason for anything right i mean you know anything that happens in life there's never just one reason there's always quite a few 
But also, I mean, by and large, they probably, yeah, they are concerned also on the publicity side of, you know, if there's a bunch of cases being made against Arizonans, right? You know, your everyday people who may be specifically fucking with these cars or whatever, um, that's going to create a situation where, you know, you're, you're going to make a stack of paper that's going to say, look at what this company has cost. And who are you going to side with? You know, the robot? Or are you going to side with the human being? And, you know, that that's going to turn into a very ugly case for Waymo slash Google, right? Of course it is. Um, also, probably if they keep dis- bothering law enforcement, I imagine that that could get very tiresome for local law enforcement, and that could come with its own challenges. Ironically, local law enforcement, you know, the, the idea that the authorities are okay with this, I have a hard time believing that because, again, you know, one of the major sources of revenue for law enforcement is speeding tickets. And, you know, Waymo vehicles are going to keep that from happening. I'm kind of wondering if like Uber, you know, we know in the past that Uber, who also has driverless car programs, Uber has funded and sponsored uh, police events and the police in general. Obviously, that's pretty much a payoff, right? (laughs) You know, it's a kickback. And I think that, you know, I wonder if Google is doing the same thing where they are literally paying off local law enforcement to kind of look the other way. And that in that way, you know, law enforcement isn't so worried for at least for now, uh, you know, about the fact that this is going to really, you know, driverless cars are going to eliminate a major source of revenue for them. You know, that being speeding tickets and other kind of traffic infringements. So I wonder about that, uh, if that's if that's going on. And, you know, ironically, there's only one other group, uh, you know, I mean, granted, the government is ultimately employing all of these, you know, thugs, I mean, police. Uh, but there's one other group that regularly does this with the police. Of course, that's the mafia. So, you know, to to equate Google and Uber with the mafia. No, I don't think that's unfair. I, I think that's a damn fine thing to say because they are effectively organized fucking crime. And yes, they are. <laughs> so. I mean, I'd, I'd love to find out that that's the case. You know, in fact, it's almost weird that local authorities couldn't get the warrant from Waymo to go in. Like, that almost suggests that there might be a degree of a payoff where some, uh, you know, maybe maybe what you could call honest cops. I'm not saying that that's actually a thing, but you get the point that maybe they, uh, you know, somebody that really, really gave a shit and wanted to look into the situation that they couldn't. Well, that, I mean, you know, that all sounds very, uh, what was what was that? uh uh, shit, that Al Pacino movie was, was that Serpico or whatever, you know, where he's just trying to be the good cop. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong film, but I, I know the film I'm thinking of, but you know, sm- smells awfully organized crime to me, Google slash Waymo. So I'll finish reading just the last couple paragraphs of the story here. Uh, the, let's see, not the authorities in Chandler. Uh, one of them that being, so it says, but the official welcome mat has failed to persuade the naysayers. One of them, Charles Pinkham, 37, was standing in the street in front of a Waymo vehicle in Chandler one evening in August when he was approached by the police. Quote, Pinkham was heavily intoxicated and his demeanor varied from calm to belligerent and agitated during my contact with him. End quote, officer Richard Rimbach wrote in his report, quote, He stated he was sick and tired of the Waymo vehicles driving in his neighborhood and apparently thought the best idea to resolve this was to stand in front of these vehicles, end quote. It worked, apparently. The Waymo employee inside the van, Candace Dunson, opted against filing charges and told the police that the company preferred to stop routing vehicles to the area. Mr. Pinkham got a warning. The van moved on. Uh, Well, ironically, you know, one could easily make the argument that the driverless van would be the best thing for Mr. Pinkham to get home right after being drunk. But regardless of, of all of that. 
So, all right, let's break this down. Let's talk about this. Let's get a little uh, little Brian Sovereign analysis, a little Golden Stallion analysis on this, okay? Um, I don't support, especially, you know, I mean, part of the problem here is that there are drivers in this. In fact, I am almost a part of me, the, the, the chess player in my head is saying Google wants to, is going to keep you know, like the emergency drivers in there just so that this technology stays a little more human. Cause otherwise I think that this might be worse. Now I really do believe that, you know, Waymo's concern for their uh, emergency drivers. I mean, I think that's legit because fuck, if somebody died because of that, I mean, talk about the fiasco that would happen, but also that sure. I mean, like there's a chance that something could be done where a Waymo vehicle could not be so smart in the situation. And could either do a dead stop to prevent like perhaps rolling off of, you know, rolling over somewhere or whatever, uh, you know, rolling, I don't know, they hit something and the car ends up rolling and the per, you know, emergency driver, and you know, ends up dying. But then if there's that quick dead stop that a car from behind could end up bashing it. Um, I'd be curious to find out if Google was reinforcing the chassis at all on on these vans. Um, and I think it would be very smart if they did. I don't know that that they are. Um, but so I, you know, I think that that's, that's a legitimate concern that they have. I don't think there's necessarily something nefarious going on there, but before I get into like what I, the big thing that I think is happening here or the deep thing that's happening here, um, also keep in mind, there's a reason this is getting tested in Arizona, right? Because they don't have to deal with crazy weather conditions. I mean, yeah, there's the heat and you can go crazy from the heat. Woo. David Lee Roth, baby. Sorry. Uh, but <laughs> I'm just a gigolo. Yeah. So, but you know, I, I, yeah, I, they, this is true for solar technologies, all different kinds of technologies, uh, you know, automated technologies and everything. It all gets tested in California and Arizona and Florida and all that. They never test it. Like say in the fucking Northeast, right? Because they know that, you know, in hell, there's a snowstorm like you wouldn't believe going on, you know, outside the house right now. And a Waymo vehicle, I mean, they'd be, They'd be rolled over in ditches, you know, all over the place here. You know, they, they can't handle that. And there is, you know, I've heard from spokespersons from Waymo where they've come right out and, and said, you know, that, that really this is this technology. Um, I, I, it, cause they've been reporting on these attacks for a while. This is really only the latest uh, kind of compilation of stories and probably has more to do with the slashing of tires and everything that went on. But uh, Waymo spokespeople have said that people don't realize how long it's going to take before driverless cars are really a thing. And that is a, you know, I mean, we've been doing, I've been doing Sovereign Tech for seven years. And inside of that seven years, you know, like there have been many five-year predictions that, oh yeah, by 2018, we're going to have driverless cars taking people around, you know, on the regular, it's going to be a normal thing. And there won't be any driver in the front seat by 2019. They'll have that. Well, guess what? It's 2019. Now all of this is getting revised and that does a couple things in itself. One is, is that if we were to use the term artificial intelligence, if we were going to accept that as valid, uh, I mean, it just goes to show like the, the shit, all these promises of these various technologies and of artificial intelligence and blah, 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 all of that. A lot of times that shit that, that just that programmers and, and tech execs and others say to investors to just keep like, give us more money. Yeah. We're working on this now and it's going to be a thing in five years. And then it never becomes a fucking thing. Like I said, AI itself, anything remotely like AGI 
you know, where it really does think for itself and where maybe you'd feel comfortable with it potentially uh, uh, avoiding hitting your kid, kind of like with the Opocos or whatever the fuck their names are. You know, like uh, that's been promised since the 60s and we've never gotten it. We've never gotten anything even fucking close. Really. You know, everything is just, oh, it's a promise. And usually it's just some kind of like simulate simulation of of what it could be. It's never like an actual practical or, you know, in the in the real world situation where AI does the job Uh, kills me. But that's all of that is besides the point. Okay. One could bring up the examples of the Luddites, which, you know, let's be clear here. The Luddites were actually, I mean, the term Luddite has taken on new meaning where it's anybody that's anti-tech or anti-computer or something like that. The Luddites actually weren't against, you know, machinery entering the workplace. The Luddites were against machinery taking the beauty and human element out of the production process and after a fashion, the creative process. That's what the Luddites were against. They just said, no, machines have their place. It's not that they were against machinery or automation or anything like that. It's just that it has its place. Um, this, could you argue this is a type of neo Ludditism? Sure. I think that that argument could be made. Uh, do these people have legitimate gripes? Yeah. I mean, if your kid almost got hit by one, sure. Uh, now is Waymo's response, not that it was in this article, but I'm sure they would respond and say, Hey, you know, this technology is going to get better over time. We're in growing pains and all that. Uh, I mean, people seem to be aware of that, including the Opokas because they, you know, they're the ones that said, you know, we don't want to be the real life test case. You know, we, we know that, that there has to be real life test cases, but we don't want to be it completely valid, uh, you know, thing, thing to say. And so obviously they're aware that this is a technology that is going to continue to improve. Could it get to a point where it has real life application and there doesn't need to be an emergency driver? Maybe, maybe at least in Arizona, I'm telling you, it's, it's a completely different ball game. As soon as you drop that in in an area that gets snow, which most of planet earth gets snow folks, uh, (laughs) Even the biggest city in the world, New York City, you know, that the capital of the world or pick any, almost all the capitals of the world end up getting some kind of snow. You take your pick of the city, you know, uh, uh, London, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, Denver, fuck, pick them. I am so far from convinced that these technologies, these driverless technologies are going to work in those areas. I have zero, zero proof that that's going to happen. Um, even the more practicality, I mean, understand like even electric cars, like Tesla's and all that. Now I know lots of people drive Tesla's even in New Hampshire and so on, uh, areas where there's plenty of snow. I think the jury's still out on how that looks for, you know, like for that technology and how that ends up working out. Uh, for example, like Cadillac, you know, they were pushing hard for their electric car. And the main thing that they were pushing for was that it and all of its adjoining technologies would end up working very well in a winter weather. They canceled that car and they've never brought it back. You know, I mean, and that was fuck. That was probably four years ago. And so, you know, electric cars, very new situation. And I think the cold and other extreme weather conditions, you know, as far as their effect on the longevity of these vehicles and the practicality of these vehicles and the technology overall is something that, you know, I think the jury's still out on that because they haven't been around long enough for us to really know what the long-term, uh, uh, you know, long-term implications are as far as that goes. But that's, that's kind of getting off, off the point, but just bring up the overall point that, you know, there's a reason. And look, I'm not saying I don't want other technologies to exist. I sure as fuck do. All right. But there's a reason that the internal 
combustion engine is still, you know, up and going. Okay. Though I do think that there have been various, shall we say, uh, more efficient implementations of the internal combustion engine that have been uh, smothered by car companies because they, you know, they don't want uh, these more efficient engines to exist, like ridiculously invent uh, uh, engines uh, exist. But again, that's getting into a whole other topic. Okay. But what I think is really going on here, okay, the, the deep thing that I said at the very beginning that I said, I was like, you know, I think this is, I think there's a deeper issue going on. This is it. I think the reality is, is that this is, I think people, so everyone, the world over, or most people the world over, maybe some hunter-gatherer societies don't so much feel this, but others do. You know, just about any developed area. I, I think I think a lot of people feel, know, that there is something wrong with the world. That things aren't going the way that they should. Not how they think it should, but just like, to the respect of their own innate humanity and the human condition, they know things are fucking off. And I think this is a problem for a lot of people, and I think that most people don't know how to properly express or even define what those problems are and what the origin of those problems are. I think that this is why a lot of people run to racism, because they are given a very simple answer as to, okay, this is why you know you lost your job. This is why you don't have this. This is why your your kid is in danger. This is why your house is in danger. It's these people. It's that them, right? It's the us versus them. It's that them over there. And it's such a simple answer to bring up. Now, bring in a driverless car. Oh, man, even the nicest of people can be mean to it. Why? Because it's not a human being. Yeah, there's a human driving it, but I guess they're hoping that nothing happens to them. I, I imagine none of these people, the Apokas or whoever else, in Arizona want to harm the human inside, but they, oh, they love getting to take out their fucking frustration on, you know, on this, on these driverless cars, right? Because it's something that they can, they can blame things on because look how quick they run to economic problems. Like they're taking our jobs or they run to whatever. I don't want these things around my neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, replace driverless car with Jew and, you know, or, or black person. And the argument is readily apparent of what's going on here is that there are very deep frustrations that touch very core parts of the human condition that people look for something to blame. Okay. And now they've got robots to blame. You know, they have driverless cars that they get to blame. And, you know, you can almost feel like you can feel safely without another human being harmed. You can feel like you're a revolutionary when you do this. You know, when you attack, when you slash the tires on a driverless car, when you do these other things. Now, don't misunderstand me. Like, I think that's what's going on. It's just this is a way for, you know, I've, I, I haven't talked about this in a little while, and I'm going to get into it in a user podcast eventually. And maybe throughout 2019 on Sovereign Tech, I might touch on it more or something. I don't know. But there's the concept of the passional tree. And that is there are healthy expressions of the human condition. I know healthy is a subjective term. Bear with me. There are healthy expressions of the human condition, love, honestly, sex, lots of all kinds of other things that, uh, you know, are great ways to express, you know, how happy you are that you're alive and the glories of life. And it's a beautiful thing. However, when those kinds of things are stifled, love, 
you know, happiness, contentment, a full belly, perhaps, you know, with food. You on the passional tree, you know, when those when the when the the healthy expressions get stuffed down for some reason, be it the economy, whatever, it's going to find other ways to express itself. Violence, you know, attack on persons or property, whatever it ends up being. Okay. And I think that, again, people find this to be a safe, no consequences way. I mean, hell, Waymo's not even pressing charges. No consequences way of expressing, you know, of, of, you know, their, their healthy attributes within the passional tree of the human condition, get, you know, getting stuffed, you know, getting stuffed down and not allowed to be expressed. And these are the unhealthy ways that they get to express it now. So that's the deep thing that's really going on here. I don't necessarily think that it's humans naturally hate robots or humans naturally hate machines. I don't, I don't believe that for a second. Okay. There is the old saying from Star Trek Insurrection where, uh, you know, when, when they're talking to the Baku, right, who have eschewed technology, and the guy says, you know, one of the Baku guys pretty much says, you know, we think that when you make a machine to replace the job of a man or replace the ability of a man, you take something away from the man. I, I do kind of get that argument. I do sort of understand that, but I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay. Uh, I do disagree. You know, don't confuse me. I am not having any sympathy for driverless cars. I think this is a horrible fucking idea, especially for why Google wants to do it. I've talked about this over and over again. Google doesn't want you wasting time driving on your commute because that is time where you could be watching ads. You know, you could be watching a YouTube video. You could be doing, you could be interacting. You could be giving them more data, more data, more data, more data. They do not want you to, I mean, and, and, you know, one could even get conspiratorial about it. They, they don't want you to have any time where you can be reflective in life. You need to be looking at a screen at all times, and God damn it, there's a windshield in front of you that you could just be sitting there staring at if that car would just drive itself. Also, what I've already brought up, the very practical concern, and it is practical, that these technologies will never take off in the parts of the earth that I care to live in. I mean, I'm not against living in tropical areas, actually quite the opposite. Okay, but... Also, I do enjoy a good winter. I do enjoy, you know, going snowmobiling, you know, doing all these kinds of things uh, and, and, you know, kind of maybe getting on the, the, you know, the shag rug by the fireplace and everything and having a good time in the winter, you know, because you just got to stay close for body heat. Woo! Get me excited. Driverless cars are not going to let me do that. Hell, cars often enough don't let me get to those areas. Just live in Montana for a little while or go up to go up to good old Yellowknife in the Northwest Territory, one of my favorite places on earth. You go up there, you're going to be snowmobiling quite a bit. There's, and you're not going to get into driverless snowmobile. Okay. And you're, I mean, but again, a car doesn't even solve that problem. So I think this is just a horrible idea to begin with. Uh, to say nothing of the data collection involved and data collection that's not even needed in Germany back in the eighties, they had already tested driverless cars there and all that used was fucking GPS and radar. It didn't need to have all of this, you know, all these, it didn't need to have an AI or algorithm. You know, it didn't need all of that bullshit that, that Waymo's, you know, putting into their vehicles, into their driverless vans. It could do it without all that. And so I call bullshit on the whole concept. Even if I agreed with driverless cars, there's better ways to do it. There's ways that it's already been done. City to city. So don't, you know, I, I mean, you could say it's rise against the machines, right? You know, get a little Terminator about it. Um, I, I don't exactly think that it's that. I think what's really happening here is that 
I mean, because, you know, if it was, if people innately had problems with robots, they would be, you know, they'd be taking their 22s, you know, to, to, to their dishwasher, right? <laughs> I mean, or they, <laughs> they'd be attacking something, you know, like, I really think that this is, you know, it, in a way, the driverless vans, because they are, you know, uh, interacting on, you know, the streets as in an area that was normally the purview of deer and human beings, living creatures, you know, it kind of like, if it, if it looks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, you know, it, it, it's maybe it's a duck. And so I think that this is, this reaction will be commonplace just about anywhere, but it's, it's merely people just lashing out against society in general. It's not that they're lashing out against robotics or that they're lashing out against AI or that they're lashing out against driverless cars necessarily. Um, they are, they, I mean, they might even think they're being heroic, which I understand people's desire to want to be heroic, right. And maybe get some recognition and praise thinking you did a good job at a boy. Um, you know, I, I, I get it, but yeah, that's, that's really what I think is going on with that. Uh, it's a great thing to talk about. It's a great point to bring up again, you know, the arguments against this technology are, there, there's plenty of them why these shouldn't be a thing and certainly they shouldn't be a thing run by google for one uh you know right right at the onset that's a problem okay and any company really that that ends up i mean even toyota's working on it right that'd be you think that would be a little more palatable because it's toyota and toyota's you know but no <laughs> you know there, there, there are really deep-seated problems with the way that our civilization is set up, that the way, and certainly with our surveillance society, not surveillance state, surveillance society that we live in, all of these things are genuine problems that people really need to consider. But I mean, you know, here's the thing. If you want to complain about driverless cars, look, arguably, I mean, I know it's just a movie, but did anybody else see Fate of the Furious? Hell, I was just watching that earlier today. Uh, Fate of the Furious, you know, that's the eighth Fast and Furious film. The last one that, that or most recent that came out. I love those movies. Like I fucking love those movies. Uh, you remember the scene where, where, where uh, 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 whatever the, the villain played by Charlize Theron, where she, she takes control of like all the cars in the area because they all have computers in them and they all just kind of start driving on their own. I mean, every car could affect, and this has been said before too, like every car made in the past, well, not entirely a decade, but certainly around that time, you know, has the capability to become completely automated. Like, I mean, it would, you know, it's not hard to set that up. And, you know, if you're concerned about these driverless cars, well, I hope you're driving a car pre-1996 then if you want to live by your fucking principles. You know, so I don't know. I don't think there's necessarily any good guys here is my point. Waymo and Google, Waymo slash Google sure as fuck aren't the good guys. These people who are attacking these vehicles or fucking with them, I don't know that they're necessarily the good guys uh, either. You know, I mean, an argument could be made that if you're fucking with Google, you know, you're doing a heroic act. Yeah, I could almost buy that. But th these people aren't conscious to the level of what they're really rebelling against. They, I don't think they really get it. Okay. They get it some of the way, but not all of the way. I'm not saying they're dumb, but they don't really grasp what's going on. They don't really notice just how far they'd have to go to solve the unsettling feeling that they're expressing against these driverless cars. So anyway, okay, that's it for that. <laughs> you know, I think we're just going to have to run with that one. The other story I'll have to, maybe I'll save for next week's uh, Q&A, or maybe I'll even get to it in a prime episode. We'll see. But I, I know the next two prime episodes are already well uh, loaded up. But let's get into our album of the week quick. And this week's album of the week is actually the one, well, it's where the song 
uh, that was played on, was that episode 309 of Sovereign Tech? Uh, that I opened up the show with, and that's from the band Heat. And again, that's H period, E period, A period, T period. Uh, It was their album from 2014, which is Tearing Down the Walls. Uh, This was an album that, between this and Freedom Rock, like I didn't listen to their albums, or to those two albums that much up until recently. I don't know. I've been, it's kind of weird. I've been in a little bit of a funk musically uh, in, in a real way. I mean, there was a very exciting time over the past few months where music was like everything. Lately, I don't know. I've just I've been listening to a shit ton of audiobooks, uh, which, by the way, the new Star Trek Discovery uh, book came out with. Uh, that's all about Tilly. Um, I'm going to be listening to that. You're going to have a hot Star Trek update this this uh, this month in in January 2019. I mean, it's easily going to be a two hour episode because there's so much to talk about. Um, but anyway, yeah, I've just been listening to a ton of audiobooks lately. I don't know. I don't know what I go through those phases. I think a lot of people do. I've, I've heard others say the same thing. We're like, yeah, there's times I just don't feel like music. And so they rock podcasts and, uh, you know, and audiobooks for a while and, and so on. So anyway, but, uh, you know, heat is one of those bands. In fact, the more I listen to them, man, do they take over my heart? I mean, they, they might be next to like Hailstorm. They're probably the best band, you know, to come out in the past 10 years. And like, in fact, if they can keep this up, like they had in 2017, they had Into the Great Unknown. In fact, that was our album that they made album of the year because it was so fucking good. Uh, if they keep this up, if they can keep this like passion and just the fun and the badassery of their hard rock music going, uh, they could become my favorite band of all time. They really could. You'd think nothing could unseat Kiss, but he just might do that because I can listen to them fucking nonstop. And recently I was like, yeah, you know, during a workout, I, all right, I don't want to necessarily listen to an audiobook during a workout. I want to get in, you know, get into hard rocker to get, get me pumped up. And so I started putting on heat and then I'm like, yeah, you know, let's listen to a couple of their other albums. Like they have a self titled that I haven't listened to much. They have freedom rock and tearing down the walls. And so I put on tearing down the walls and after listening to it, like on a couple workouts, I'm like, no, you know what? This is great. <laughs> like I, why did I think this was a weaker album between address the nation and into the great unknown, which are two of the best albums ever made just straight up by whoever it happens to be. Um, but yeah, there's a song you heard at the beginning of this week's sovereign tech, which was a shot at redemption. It's the second track on there. It's fantastic. Point of no return is what it opens up with. That's a great song. Uh, Inferno is the third track on it. Another very fun song. Hell, a song so good. I almost is going to use it as a new intro, like for many, many episodes. Uh, but I mean, it's not, it's not as great as shot at redemption, but it like, it would make a good intro, but I didn't go with that. But uh, then there's the reckoning tearing down the walls. I mean, there's, you know, there's a good solid 12, 13 tracks on this, depending on which version you get that, I mean, that'll just kick your ass, you know, as far as like the, just the fun, badass, sexy, hard rock that you end up getting in it. And I really love it. I mean, I recommend every album by these guys. But certainly from Address the Nation up, which this would be in between Address the Nation and Into the Great Unknown, uh, those two albums, particularly Address the Nation and Into the Great Unknown, are just, like I said, two of the best albums ever made. Um, but this is right in between there, and it's a fine piece in between. You know, I don't think it's as good as Address the Nation. It's not as good as Into the Great Unknown, but it's great all the same. I mean, you're, you're trying to match... Like, how do you get as good as Address the Nation or Into the Great Unknown? You know, I mean, like to try and match those albums is crazy to begin with. So, you know, any kind of outing that gets even close is incredible. And Tearing Down the Walls is just that. So I want you to check it out by Heat. If not, just check out the band in general. I've mentioned them before. 
I mean, they're just one of the best new rock acts out there. I don't think they're ever going to come to America to perform, and what a goddamn shame. I guess maybe I'm going to have to go to Europe to do it, to, to see them, and I would, okay, you know, with the right person. I would definitely go do that. But, uh, yeah, check out Heat, H.E.A.T. Okay, or, you know, period. And just fantastic. All those albums are great. But Tearing Down the Walls, if you've already checked out the previous two I mentioned, you want to hit this one up and have a good time with it. So, all right, that's it. We're going to wrap up our Q&A. We really only had, like, the one, the one you know, topic question that we got into. But that's fine. You know, some weeks work out that way. And uh, apologies for the little audio uh, mix-up here. I will actually be working on that as soon as I'm done recording this and try and figure out what the hell's going on. Um, because the mixer, it wasn't even just, not even the audio quality, like the computer uh, the studio computer was actually having some issues with it kept losing the signal from the uh, uh, like it would say, oh, audio device not found restart or whatever, um, where it was losing the signal from the actual uh, mixer itself. So I got to repair that. But uh, anyway, of course, if you want to help out with any kind of equipment that uh, we need for Sovereign Tech and some of the larger plans that we have for 2019, please don't hesitate to go to wishlist.sovereigntech.com and get your hook up there. Anyway, all right, that's going to wrap it up for this week's Wednesday Q&A. I will see all of you on the other side.